If you come here on a Sunday morning, most times we are working our way in a series uh, through a book of the Bible. That's our, our normal, um, uh, normal thing that we do here on a Sunday morning in our preaching. Uh, we took a break. We were preaching through Colossians last fall. We took a break for Ebenezer. Who remembers Ebenezer? Remember Ebenezer series for Thanksgiving? Uh, and then we did a Christmas series. And then last Sunday we launched Celebrate Recovery, which was just, um, it was an incredible service. Monday night, the first Celebrate Recovery event was just incredible. We had almost 60 people here. Uh, the altar was full of people at the end. I mean, God just moving in such a tremendous way. When we broke from Colossians, we were the end of chapter 2. So here we are, January 8th, 2023, and we're going to go back and we're going to finish Colossians. Y'all with me? You want to do it? We're going to Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And, uh, and, and to break it up a little bit, uh, we're calling this, this is a mini-series. Y'all like mini-series? Okay. Um, Four-part series here. We're going to look at a, a series entitled Under Control. Okay, and, uh, and this is the passage we've come to, and it's going to be on four things. Today's about our thoughts. Next week is going to be about actions. The following week is going to be about words. The following week is going to be serve Sunday. And then the next week is going to be about attitudes. Okay, so that's what we're doing in this four-part series, looking at being under control. Proverbs 23, 7 uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Our thoughts really matter, and they really matter to God. And so we're, we're going to take a little bit here. I want, I want you to reflect. I want you to just go back to chapter 2 for a second. I want to read you how it ends, and then we'll get into our text for today. Um, because the first couple chapters of Colossians, Paul is teaching us about the truth of the gospel, the truth about Jesus, and, and what, it, what it means to us, and how important it is to give our life to him. And this chapters 3 and 4 are really about, man, now that you've gone in on that and you believe that, here's some really practical advice for how to live your life. Here's some guidance and instruction. And so we're going to start uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, but I want you to hear the end of chapter 2 because he wraps it up with talking about some false teachers that were in Colossians that had become all about rules and laws and regulations. And he says this in verse 20 of chapter 2, You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from spiritual powers of this world. So many times we read past that. But we're going to rest on it a little bit today. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So here's what he was telling them. I want to just say it just real quick before we get this transition because it's really important. He's saying there's going to be some people that are going to teach you to be away, how to be a good Christian, and all that give you the list and the rules and the expectations of what that looks like. Y'all hear that little hum? Sorry. So there's going to be some people that tell you, uh, they're going to give you the list and the rules and the expectations. You're going to feel it on yourself of how to be a good Christian. Things like go to church every Sunday. Things like can't cuss, you got to stop cussing. 
Things like um, uh, 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 you gotta you gotta be and you look right and you dress a certain way. You can't get tattoos. Don't have tattoos. Like you're gonna get all these lists of things that maybe we feel in our, our culture of what a Christian should look like. And this is what was happening in Colossae. And Paul says, "Here's the thing: uh, the law. Uh, here's how he said it in Galatians um, chapter two, verse nineteen. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me." So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. What this means is, is when we become a believer of Christ, what sometimes feels is the law and the rules and the expectations that feel difficult to meet and match, feel like a burden. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill those things. And, and, and he changes it. He begins to change us from the inside out. What I mean is what used to feel like a burden is like, man, I, if I could just, just you know, uh, uh, fudge this timesheet and get a few extra hours in or this, this, uh, this homework assignment or, or you know, I, I know it's, it says adultery is not right, but I, I'm just going to, I feel like I could do that and I want to. And it's hard. But I, I don't want to. But what, what, Paul says is when Jesus gets inside of our heart, it begins to change our heart so that the law is actually something we have a desire for. We are, we are not doing it. I was talking to Joey, our intern here, who's going to seminary, so I'm trying to suck all I can out of him, right? Like, I'm trying to get all this information because I've never been to seminary. So I'm asking him, like, What's, what do you think about this? And he says, here, here's the thing. If we think we're going to match all these laws and rules and expectations and live right so that we can please God... So that he's going to love us more than we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Can I reveal something to you right now? In the very sin that you're in, Christ died for you. What I'm saying is nothing you can do. You see, his love, if it was a scale from 1 to 10, it's 11. And it never falters. It doesn't change on how you behave and what you do. He loves you just the same. And you see, when you get a hold of that and you understand the law is just condemning me, it shows me I can't do it. Never could, never will. He loves me anyway. He died for me anyway. He gave it all for me anyway. I want to be more like him. Right? Do you see that change? That why do we have a heart for purity and righteousness? Because he's taken up residence inside of us. He has changed us from the inside out. Living those rules are not the way we gain eternal life. It's not the way we get and keep Jesus inside of us. Beginning to see our life reflect those things are how we know Jesus is inside of us. And how we know he's promised us eternal life. So why do you do it? Why are you trying to be all the right things? If it's so he'll love you more, so you'll make him happy. Don't carry that weight. Because as soon as you mess up, you think, I've disappointed him. He's upset with me. And yet we find he loves us unconditionally. So let's read these verses. Chapter 3, this is what he's saying. He's saying, you're trying to follow all those rules. Stop doing it. You're dead to sin. You've been set free. And so he says this in chapter 3, verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, 
Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Man, that's a powerful verse. We'll talk about it more in a second. Hey, we got this. That verse deserves that and more. He gets it. All right, you with me? And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. You will share in all his glory. This message, some of you are struggling with thoughts. You're thinking about all kinds of different things. You tend to go to place of worry. You begin to go to think about all the troubles in your life, specifically the ones you can do nothing about, that you can't change. And you're worrying yourself to death. Like, that's where your mind goes. As soon as someone stops talking to you and you're alone or there's silence, your mind goes to that place. It goes to worry. It goes to fear. You're, you're afraid you're, you're going to fail. You're afraid you're not good enough. You're afraid you messed up too much. You're afraid what people think about you. You're just afraid to walk out the door. You're afraid to walk into the door. Like, the devil will get you afraid of coming and going. And he will get a hold of your thoughts, and, and you'll think about uh, what are people saying about me? What is this, and what do they think about me? And, and he'll get a hold of you in fear. And, and some of you might be thinking about past hurts, like how you were cheated, how you were abused, or, or, or how, what happened to you that was just so unfair, and, you, and it'll get you into a victim mindset when Jesus teaches us just the opposite, that we are victorious in him. But he'll get you thinking, messed up, that wasn't fair, that happened to me, it doesn't happen to other people. And it'll get you thinking and just consistently going back to the thing that messed you up, that hurt you. Or you might be thinking about the material thing, right? The new gadget, the new device, the new... The new, uh, the new four-wheeler, the new boat, the new whatever it is, the new game, the new computer, the new Apple Watch, the new thing. And here's what's creepy. Facebook reads your mind. And that thing that you've been thinking about and wanted is just always going there. If I just had that, I just had that. Now it's in your feed on Facebook. You're like, oh, Facebook confirmed it. I need it. I'm buying it. And then you end up feeling empty, Right? Like, I mean, every time we pursue material things to try to fulfill and find peace, it's empty. It finds emptiness. Maybe you're like me, and I just like, when it goes quiet, I usually think about a ribeye. I just, food, I love food. I'm thinking about what we're going to eat, where we're going to eat. If we're going on vacation this summer, today, I'm thinking about where we're going to eat. Okay? And so there's things, or maybe you're thinking about, is Cal going to go to Texas? All right, if you're a UK fan, you're just wondering, and, and one day you're hoping, and one day you love him, and one day you hate him. But all you can think about how is UK basketball is not what it used to be. And it becomes some things that are good, and God gave us these things to have joy in, and all of a sudden, in our mental space, in our mind, they've taken priority, and they've pushed out, and they've taken up all the space. Where Paul's telling us here, our sights should be on heaven on eternal things, that we should think on things of heaven and not on earthly things. And he teaches us, he's telling us, get your thoughts under control. But here's the cool thing about this message. 
And this whole series, this is the foundation of it. It's something you've got to rely upon, you've got to build upon. This is, this is what Paul is saying here. Yes, he's given us some advice saying that you have some personal responsibility in controlling your thoughts, but there's only a hope of you being able to do it. So it's not just about you getting them under control, okay? It's about putting them under his control. Can, can, can you sit here for a minute? We are not going to get it on ourselves. You can't fix it on yourself. He's saying you have been raised to a new life. That you are dead to sin. And so what this really is from Paul is a reminder. Sometimes you just need a reminder. We just need a reminder in life when we start thinking, man, it's all going downhill. You see, hope fades. We get discouraged. We start to feel like you need daily reminders. We need to be reminded that I am dead to the flesh. I have died to that. And I have been raised to new life And Christ is exactly what he said. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, now set your sights on heaven. Now you've got the Spirit living inside of you, changing you from the inside out, and you can focus on the right things. I want to remind you that you have the power inside of you to do that with his help. He says, set your sights on him. See, I want you to take two thoughts here before we get into setting setting our sights. We take about under control. Philippians 3.21 says, He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. He is all-powerful. He can bring anything under His control. There's two things when we're raised to life, to new life in Christ. This is when we get saved. This is when we give our heart to Christ. There's two things I think unique. One is that we find also in Galatians 2.20. It says, For my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. When we give our life to Christ, one, he takes up residence. Holy Spirit comes in and he says, Christ lives inside of you. Christ lives inside of me. What this begins to do is, as he lives through us in this world, we become more and more like him over our lifetime as a believer. He begins to change our heart, not immediately. I wish it was immediately. I wish immediately, you know, I never had bad thoughts anymore. I was never afraid anymore. I was never discouraged anymore. But it doesn't happen that way. We battle every day while we're still in the flesh, but he says over time, he says, I live inside of you, and the world's perspective of you is going to change because I'm inside you changing. Your, your thoughts, your actions, your words, your attitude is going to change because I'm here and I'm living through you. Second thing is we find that we are in Christ. He's in us, changing the way we look to the world. Oh, this is my favorite part. We are in Him. It says we are hidden in Christ with Him. For you died to this life, for your real life is hidden with Christ and God. So what's that mean? You see, we, we are sinful, and God hates sin. He's angry at it. He pours wrath out about it. When we become a believer, we put our faith in Jesus Christ... 
if this is Jesus, this is us, okay, this is our sinful mess when Christ looks at, when God looks down at us, you see what he sees? He doesn't see your life. He doesn't see all the sin and the mistakes and the doubts and the fears and the time you rebelled against him and the, and the time you did all this and did all that. Like, he doesn't even know, man. Jesus loved you so much. He died for you, put him inside of himself and said, went to God and said, they're with me. So when he looks at our life, it says it's hidden and all he sees is Jesus. Man, can you be thankful for that this morning? Then when he looks at us, all he sees is Jesus. The real stuff, the mess, is all hidden and buried and far as the east is from the west. So Christ being in us begins to change us in this world, and we begin to look different, and people see us different. They're like, man, what happened to that person? Us in Christ, God's like, whoa, he went from that to perfect. He is justified, he is saved, he got eternal life, and it's all because of what Jesus is, because all the wrath he had toward our sin was poured out on him. He was crucified, what we deserve. And in him, we've died. Now, this is deep. In him, you have died and been raised to new life. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that because we get into the rut of saying, I got to do it this way today. I didn't do it that way. No, reminder, you're dead to all that. Go forward in Jesus. Just go forward in Jesus. You're dead to it. Go forward in Jesus. He says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. This setting your sights is about focus. It's about priority. I uh, should focus on heavenly matters like Jesus' life, supremacy, and authority. And I know we're all just getting in a recliner every night and just thinking about heaven and Jesus. And, and, and we're spending time when we're driving thinking about Jesus and heaven and all the things that are going to be there. And when we lay down at night, we're thinking about Jesus and heaven. When we get up in the morning, we're just so excited to think about Jesus. Am, am I wrong? Is the truth the culture creeps in? The trials creep in. We wake up worried about the thing that's going to happen today. We wake up uh, feeling bad about the thing that happened yesterday. And our mind gets pushed in the wrong direction. He says, make it a priority. This word set your sights also means focus. It, be, it means by priority. I try to do this every day in my life where I just, I'm a, kind of a list person. You're going to get things done. I make a list of the top five every morning. Top five things I got to get done today. Because you know what? If I just made the list of everything, I don't know how long it'd be. I can keep coming up with stuff that need to be done, right? Are you that way? And if I don't make the top five, then just whatever comes at me that's urgent, that somebody else wants me to do, or what needs to be, like I start, my priorities get changed. And so what he's saying is you've got to have these priorities every day, the things of heaven. You've got to be reminded every day. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Says these things we're focused on, we should put them into action. Sometimes it takes action. Sometimes it requires turning the TV off. Sometimes it might require deleting the social media app off your phone. Might require hiding the phone altogether for 
like a, at least an hour every day, hide the thing. Let your mind get clear. Might require getting into the Word yourself. And asking yourself, what am I filling my head with? What are, what are the shows? What are the things I'm watching? What are my conversations? What, what Am I putting truth in? Sometimes it might require a, a real consistent study of God's Word. Because, listen, you want to uh, uh, control your thoughts under His control. It's through His Word. You can put so much stuff in. Meditate on the passages Pray through the passages. Pray them back to Him. Let it get deep down in your spirit and your soul. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new Christian. You don't have to be mature. and like Get a good study Bible and study God's Word on your own. Study what I teach. Study other books. Get other people together and study. Do more in God's Word. Pray morning, evening. Real prayers. Not hurried prayers. Not checking a box prayers. Like he's your dad. When the last time you talked to him, he cares about you. He wants to know if you're having trouble, talk to him about it. Be honest, be real. Talk to him. Jesus said if we'd seek first the things of God, the kingdom of God. But man, we start seeking everything else first. That's our nature. He says, but if you seek this, I promise I'll feed you, I'll clothe you. You're going to be fine. Just look at me. Look at me. Focus on me. He says, think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You see, even believers, we get stuck in this. You say, well, I'm going through a rut. I just don't feel real confident in God. I'm just kind of going through the motions. And, and honestly, maybe I'm, uh, I, I'm, actually not, I'm actually doing things against God. And that happens. It happened to Peter. If you remember Matthew chapter 16, Jesus told his disciples, he said, hey, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, I'm going to raise again. And Peter's like, no, 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 you're not doing that, Lord. I'm not going to let that happen to you. You can't do that. And you remember what Jesus said to Peter, right? Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. And you remember what he said? He said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. That word right there in the Greek is the same word from Colossians 3, 2 that says, think about the things of heaven. See, Peter started thinking about a, an earthly kingdom and, and, and all the things he thought was going to be. He says, you're thinking about earthly things. And when we start thinking about earthly things, we find it's a distraction from Satan. He says, think about heavenly 
things. Jesus finishes by saying, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It's that simple. Follow me. I think about Peter in the other story where Jesus was walking on the water and Peter gets out in the boat. He's all confident in the storm, steps onto the water, standing on the water, looking Jesus in the face. He's, he's doing it. He's floating. His feet are floating. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? And what happens? His focus shifts. Focus on the storm. Focus on the wave. Focus on the lie that's been told about you. Focus on the past hurt. Focus on the thing. If you only had it, you'd be happy. Jesus is like, look at me. Come back. Turn that head. Look at me. Come. Whoa, I'm here. Come back. I'm here. It's okay. Where are you going, Peter? Where are you going, Jared? Look at me. I'm here. Still standing on the water. Does whatever I say. You're scared of all this stuff. I'm still Jesus. I'm still God, he's saying to you. Things of earth that get into our minds, malice, bitterness, anxiety, negativity, football games, whatever it is. I'm thankful we have some instruction that there's, it's not just about what not to think about, but Paul told the church at Philippi some things to think about. He says, one final thing, dear brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Whew, that's a bit convicting for me. I don't know about you. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from God. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Just a reminder here. We're not getting our thoughts under control. We're putting them. We are dying to ourselves. We are bearing our cross daily. And we're putting them under his control. Like we're getting in him. And he's in us. And we're resting right there. Okay? And he can change you. From the inside out. Second Corinthians 4.16, Paul said, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's what I was talking about earlier. I was watching a little thing from from John Piper last night on, uh, on sanctification. He was saying what I just said earlier. He's like, I just wish he just, when he justified me, when I got saved, he just went ahead and sanctified me, made me perfect. Like, he's going to be able to do it when he comes back. Why not do it right now? Just break all these strongholds I've got, these faults. Like, I, I've been a Christian for, for so long. Man, I still messed up. I got angry yesterday. I got, I got frustrated. I even doubted God. Like, I still do this over and over. And, and Paul says, I'm going to renew. You've you got to be renewed day by day, every single day. And he says, it's got to be this way because it's, it, it, it's getting God glory. And John Piper gave this illustration, and, and I'll just share this, and then we'll get ready to wrap up. 
He said something like this. He said, you know what? The food I ate yesterday, not going to sustain me for today, especially me. It's not, gonna, it's not enough for today. Very much like your car, the gas that you used yesterday cannot move your car today. It's gone. You burn it. It's been used. But what happens is that truth makes your car a slave to the gas station. Okay, you with me for a second? That car has to get back to a gas station. You'll end up like Bethany one time before we started dating. She called me and she had ran out of gas on Hambly Boulevard. All right, and by the road, a police officer, I don't know who it was, got her gas. But it makes us a, makes it a slave to the gas station. It has to go back. That means the car knows it can't drive itself. Our relationship with God is just the same. His mercies are made new every day. He tells us, man, today's got enough trouble. Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll bring its own trouble. But every day there's equal mercies for the trouble. And you've got to go back day by day. Every day you've got to go back to him. You've got to refill the tank. When he says be filled with the Spirit, that passage is not saying you get filled up and then you go on. No, constantly being filled with the Spirit day by day by day by day until one day. Oh, man. He makes all things new once and for all. Only you this morning know your thought life. You can ask yourself, is it evident that I've surrendered my whole life to Christ? Or am I going through the motions of what people can see and putting on a front and it looks like everything's good, but I know where my head is? Maybe you've never given your life fully over to Christ. Maybe you think you can't just because your thoughts and your actions, your words and all the things are so bad. And he's like, no, that matters. Took care of all of it. I can conquer that. What I can't conquer is your disbelief. I just need you to believe in me. I just need you to put your faith in me and trust me. You can ask yourself, are you filling it with scripture, preaching, edifying music, God-honoring and pleasing conversations? He ended this uh, by saying in verse 4, let's see if I can get to it. I just want to read it here. Chapter 3, verse 4. It says, so put to death, or and when Christ, who is your life. There was times when I was younger, I was playing music, and they said, man, music is his life. They never said football is his life, but maybe that's you. Maybe at some point, sports, football, basketball, baseball, that's his life. Maybe they say work is her life, like she is all in at work or he. Maybe even what sounds like a good thing, they might say her family is her life. Here Paul says every believer. He said it about himself in Philippians 1.21. He said, for me to live is Christ. 
Here he tells us it's for every believer. That every believer, it should be said, Jesus Christ is his life. At school, at work, at play, or whatever they're doing in life, it should be obvious. It should be obvious to us and those around us, man. Jesus is their life. Today, I invite you to stop fighting your thoughts. Stop fighting it alone. Stop, stop, stop trying to do it yourself. You can't get them under control. I invite you to put them under his again today and again tomorrow to surrender and fill yourself with heavenly things. God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this truth of your word. Thankful that as you tell us to think about heavenly things and not earthly things, uh, you give us the power to do that. We can be reminded we've been raised to a new life and the old is dead. In that way of the power, and I want you to speak truth uh, into every person in here in a way that I cannot because, you see, you numbered their heads. You knew their name. You knew them before they were formed. And then we want you to remind them that you are with them, that you love them. We remind them that you are in them and they are in you. And you want you to, to just turn our face so slightly as we've, we've gotten distracted and our focus got in the wrong place and just turn us to stare you in the face and rest in your love and your mercy and your grace. God, if there's one here today that's never surrendered, never gave it all, that... that that has never in the heart and in their mind and, and let the world know I'm all in with Jesus, that today is absolutely a day they could do it. They may have already done it in this message, may have done it in a song earlier. We're going to sing this last song. I said, here's my heart. Lord, it's a surrender to say I can't do it. I've come to the end of myself. And there I found you. And in you I trust. In Jesus' name, amen.